What's Shake and Fire Nation? JLD here, and welcome to the bonus episode. This is November 2017's Income Report, and we have a doozy of a report for you. So stick around. Awesomeness will follow. A real quick at a glance of the income is $208,000 for our gross income for November. Our total expenses were $54,000 for a net profit in November of $154,000, which was about $7,000 less than October. So, We have some cool stuff going on this income report today, but right now we're speaking. It is Thursday, December 7th, and we're in Puerto Rico, Fire Nation. We are in Puerto Rico around 80 days post-Hurricane Maria. Kate, how does it feel to be back? Oh, Puerto Rico. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it feels awesome to be back. Really happy to be back in our home. I'm looking out my window at a beautiful blue sky, a beautiful flamboyant tree, and uh, life is good. Life is good. And I will say, Fire Nation, you've been following our income reports over the last month or two. You'll know that we spent 50 days overseas. We did an epic New Zealand trip. And then we followed that up with going directly to Australia, which we followed up by going directly to London, all in the course of around 50 days. And we had a lot of fun, met a lot of cool people, spoke at a lot of cool conferences, had some Fire Nation get togethers. But all the while, our hearts were heavy because we knew what was going on in Puerto Rico. We knew the devastation that Hurricane Maria had wreaked on this entire island, as well specifically to our community, Palmas del Mar, and of course, even to our house, which again, if you've been following us at all, did sustain some pretty legitimate damage. A lot of windows and doors were blown in, furniture destroyed, a lot of things going on, roof destroyed. But now we're back. We are rebuilding inch by inch, row by row, and we will be back. I give it, you know, maybe uh, April or May of 2018 before we're back at 100%, but we'll be back at 90%-ish, I think, by Christmas. It's just that last 10% is going to take a while, but uh, we're really excited to be back. If you hear a little hum in the background, uh, that's because our part of Puerto Rico no longer, or I should say, does not have power. Um, And so we're running my entire house on a generator right now. Luckily, it's a big and good generator. Um, But unfortunately, diesel ain't cheap. But uh, we got to do what we got to do to bring podcasts and income reports to you, Fire Nation. So of course, we're, uh, we're running our generator for that reason and to run our entire business, EO Fire. And we're excited because today we have Josh Bowerly on the line. We have... David Lizerbram on the line. We, of course, as you've already heard, have Kate Lynn Erickson on the line, and we have a lot of great intel, information, tips, tools, and tactics coming your way in this income report. And as always, we're going to start off with Josh Bowerly, his monthly tax tip. He always has a great one, and his November tip is going to be all about gift giving and holiday parties. So it's a very timely tax tip. Josh, take it away. All right, John. One of my favorite benefits of being an entrepreneur is the flexibility it offers. 
And there's no time I enjoy that flexibility more than the holidays. And I'm sure this is something that both you and Kate can relate to, but back when I was an employee, it was extremely limited in how and when I could use that flexibility, what I could take off for the holidays. And in some of my previous jobs, like especially when you're younger, working at least one of the major holidays each year was a requirement, right? So you were going to have to spend that time away from your friends and family. But now that I'm my own boss, I set my own rules, I set my own time off, I can take as much time off for the holidays as I want. Now, of course, if I want my business to be successful, I want to make some money, the work still needs to get done, right? I can't be irresponsible and go take the whole month of December off, right? But I can plan my work around my schedule, and if I want to take two weeks off for Christmas, or as I recently did, take two weeks off after my daughter came and, and for Thanksgiving... I can do that. That's what, that's what entrepreneurship allows me to do. It's one of the best parts about it. Right? But this time of year for the holidays, flexibility isn't the only benefit entrepreneurs can enjoy. There's also the opportunity for some unique tax deductions that come up this time of year. And two of them that Kate and I were recently discussing and we kind of thought would be relevant to Fire Nation is the idea of buying gifts for clients and colleagues and throwing a business holiday party. So the first one we're going to talk about is holiday gift giving. Okay, and this is giving, whether it's your employees or people you do business with or clients, any of these type of people, a lot of business owners will buy them gifts, especially at the holiday time. And the question is, are those deductible and how much of them is deductible? And this one is actually a little bit limited, surprisingly. Uh, Generally speaking, the IRS is only going to allow you to deduct up to $25 per person or company you give that gift to. Okay, and that's true whether it's the employee, whether it's a client, whether it's an associate, anyone you're buying a business-related gift to is limited to that $25 deduction. Okay, so if you send your your client a $50 gift basket, or you know maybe your CPA, you send them that $50 gift basket, you're going to get a $25 deduction on your tax return for that. You're not going to get the full $50. Right, so that one surprisingly, unfortunately, is a little bit limited. Right, not not saying it doesn't make sense to give a fifty dollar gift or even a five hundred dollar gift. Right, but the key to remember is only twenty five dollars of that will be tax deductible. The one major exception to that would be for giving charitable gifts, meaning it's a, it's a, like a donation to a non not for profit organization. Right, there is no restriction on that other than. of your income. And hey, if you're exceeding 50% of your income in your charitable donations, then kudos to you. You're amazing. The other one we want to talk about was holiday parties, right? Because this time of year, a lot of business owners are going to throw some type of party, whether it's a Christmas party or just a general holiday party. They're going to throw those for their employees or maybe their clients or just people they do business with, like their CPA again. Yeah, you want to throw me a party? I'll come. All right. But they're going to throw these holiday parties. And there are some major tax deductions with this, and this is one you can even get a little bit more creative with. Because first of all, if you're buying the food and drinks for everyone in attendance, you're no longer limited to that 50% limitation on meals and entertainment, right? And this is something we talked about in several previous income reports, but typically, like if you take a, a business, like you take your attorney out to lunch to talk about your business legal liability, that lunch, whether you pay for just you or the both you and the attorney, you're gonna only be able to deduct 50% of that. When you're throwing a party or an event and you're paying for everyone in attendance, that 50% limitation no longer applies. Okay, so if you go to uh, a a local bar and you throw this big holiday get-together and you're paying for the meals and drinks for everyone there, you can deduct that entire bill. You have a $500 bar tab, you you pay for everybody, fully deductible, no 50% limitation. And that holds true whether you're doing it at like a bar or a restaurant 
or if you're doing it at your office or your home. Okay, if you go if you have an event at your office and you have it catered, 100% of that food is tax deductible, not 50%. So that's a little bit cool. That's, that's there's some flexibility there, but where it really gets cool and where you can really get creative is you can actually rent your home to your business and throw the holiday party at your house. Meaning your business can pay you rent, deduct that rent as a business expense, and throw the holiday party there. And the great part about this is the rent that your business pays you is not taxable income to you. Because there's this little IRS loophole, and we have talked about this on another income report, that says if you rent your house for less than 14 days in any given year, the rent your business pays you, or the rent that anyone pays you on that home is not taxable income. Okay, so if your business pays you $500 to rent your home for one party, your business is going to get to deduct that $500. You will not have to claim that $500 as income, right? Almost seems too good to be true, but in this case, it's not. Now, the key here is that it has to be a reasonable amount of rent, okay? So if your gears are turning, you just say, I'm going to go charge myself, my business, $10,000 to rent my home, $10,000 tax deduction, no taxable income, boom, I beat this system, Okay, not quite that simple. There are reasonable limitations here. It has to be what you would pay someone or another business for the, the same amount of space, basically. Okay, so if you could go rent a hotel conference room that's 1,000 square feet, similar to your home, and you would have to pay them $1,000 to do that, that's about what you should be taking to rent your home to yourself. <clears throat> so if you're going to take advantage of this, I want you to be diligent here. Okay, I don't want you to just throw out some random number. I want you to do a little bit of calling around. Call some of those hotels and say, hey, what would it cost me to rent a conference room for a holiday party? Um, call anyone else that, that, that allows you to rent space for an event like this. Find something that's similar size and space to your home. Charge yourself that amount of rent. Document the, in, the, the quotes that you get. That way, if the IRS ever questions it, you're in great shape. As we know, the IRS, the more documentation, the better. All right, but this is an awesome way to take advantage of owning a business, throw some type of party for people that you do business with, employees, clients, uh, professional contacts, all right, and take a very good tax deduction without creating taxable income. All right, so the holidays, as always, are a great time to be an entrepreneur. There are some creative tax deductions that go with it. These are two big ones that people use holiday gifts and holiday parties. Use these tips that we talked about here. You're going to be able to de deduct the, the most that you can and get a little bit creative with it. As always, people can look at, find me on our website, cpmfire.com. They can reach out to me directly, josh at cpmfire.com. Or as always, we have our free course just for Fire Nation they, that we're going to talk about how to optimize that business entity. What we say is one of the most important decisions you'll make in your, for the taxes of your business. They can get that at cpmfire.com slash firenation. All right, we'll talk to you next month. Josh, as always, you rocked the mic, brother. Thank you so much for just bringing the heat. And of course, Fire Nation, just email Josh, josh at cpaonfire.com or visit his website, cpaonfire.com. That's cpaonfire.com. He has a lot of great stuff going on there. And we have a lot of great legal tips coming up from David Lizerbram. He's going to talk about how to hire a lawyer for your business. This is part one. So we have a couple uh, couple parts to this. Part two will be coming up in January of 2018. So make sure you tune in for that. But this is part one of how to hire a lawyer for your business. David, take it away. Okay. So today we're going to talk about how to hire a lawyer for your business. 
So sooner or later, every business is going to need legal representation. A lawyer can either be an expensive line item or a huge asset for your business. And as an entrepreneur, it's really up to you to make that choice. If you haven't hired a business attorney before, the process can be intimidating. They don't really teach you how to do this in business school or many places online. Um, I've seen the process many times from my side, having been hired by hundreds of clients to represent them over the course of my career, including, of course, John and Kate at EO Fire. Um, When the client that's you is informed and knows what they're looking for, there's a much greater likelihood of having a positive result for both sides, the lawyer and the client. Ultimately, we both want the same thing, a mutually beneficial long-term business relationship. So to help you achieve that result, I'm going to give you a list of seven keys to choosing the right lawyer for your business, Um, because seven is a lot (laughs) to cover. Um, I've broken this up into two parts. So this is part one, and we'll cover part two next time I appear, which is scheduled to be on the January 2018 income report. So stay tuned for that. But here's uh, part one of the seven keys to choosing the right lawyer for your business. Number one is figure out when you need to hire a lawyer. So this is going to vary for every client and every business. Generally speaking, the sooner you establish this relationship and start getting good advice, the better off your business is going to be. However, the reality is that good legal advice isn't free. Bad legal advice is cheap and easy to find, but uh, good legal advice um, is a cost. Um, So if you're just starting out, I suggest you start contacting business lawyers and asking them what their rates are for basic services like, say, an initial consultation or business formation. Um, you can put those numbers into the budget as you get funds together to start your business, whether it's you know a solo bootstrapped operation or whether you're getting investments or have partners, whatever the case may be, you need that info in order to, to make the budget. Um, whether or not you're able to start right away with a lawyer, be sure to do so before you do something that's going to get you into trouble. So here's an example of a couple of things that you want to definitely have a lawyer on board before you do these things. Um, Entering into a lease. Uh, You definitely want to have a lease reviewed by an attorney unless you're, you know, really an experienced real estate professional. And if you are an experienced real estate professional, most of the time you're going to know that you still want to have a lawyer take a look at it. If you're forming a partnership or some other kind of business entity with another person, you're going to want to have a lawyer involved. If you're taking money from investors, uh, you definitely want to have a lawyer involved. You do not ever want to touch somebody else's money as an investment without making sure you're getting good legal advice. Um, if you're putting a product out into the market that could create some liability, like maybe a food product, you know, somebody could get sick, something where somebody could get injured, etc. Um, hiring a lawyer to protect your rights in those kind of situations should be a high priority. Uh, tip number two, focus on the type of lawyer you need. Different lawyers do different things. Most business attorneys can handle, you know, standard things like a typical business formation, forming an LLC or a corporation, something like that, Um, putting together a partnership agreement, drafting common business contracts. These are all the kinds of things that most business attorneys can handle. Um, So if you just need one thing that's really particular, like let's say you only have a question about tax law, well, then you can focus on an attorney who specializes in that particular area. But if you're looking for general long-term legal counsel for your business, you want to find a business attorney. And then he or she can put you in touch with specialists from time to time as needed, whether they're, you know, work with that attorney in the same firm or their outside counsel. Think of your business lawyer sort of like your general practice doctor. You go to her for checkups and your regular medical needs. 
if and when you need a specialist, she'll let you know and she'll make a referral. But pretty much every business needs a general business lawyer. Um, so want to make sure you get that relationship started as soon as you can. Tip number three, find a lawyer who understands or is willing to learn about your particular market or your niche. So this is kind of a follow-up to tip number two. Yeah, you need a general business attorney, but if that attorney has no clue about your industry or how your business operates, there are bound to be communication challenges. So let me be clear about what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if your company makes you know green left-handed back scratchers, you need an attorney who only works in the green left-handed back scratcher industry. But it does mean that your legal counsel should have a willingness to learn and understand what your company does every day and who your main customers and strategic partners are. Um, those points should be factored into your legal strategy. So, Again, you don't necessarily need an attorney who's already an expert in your industry, but make sure they have some willingness to learn. They're asking questions. They want to get an understanding of how your business works. Now, if you work in an industry that's specialized and highly regulated, you're probably going to benefit from the advice of an attorney who understands those regulations. So, you know, if you're up, if you're opening a nuclear power plant, you know, then you need a specific type of attorney. Um, but for most general businesses, online businesses, things like that, a general business attorney who has that willingness to learn is going to be the right fit for you. Uh, and tip number four, which is the last tip we're going to cover today, is pick a law firm of the right size. So there's pros and cons to working with big firms, small firms, solo practitioners. You know, if your business grows to be the next Facebook, Amazon, Tesla, that kind of thing, you'll probably engaging the services of large law firms from time to time. But of course, at that point, you'll probably only also have your own in-house legal department. Sometimes, and this is not always the case, but sometimes startups and small businesses find themselves to be a low priority for larger law firms. I've seen this happen, and it's unfortunate, but it does happen. If the law firm is really making its money representing you know, Fortune 500 companies, large government entities, that kind of thing, it can be challenging for the firm to be responsive to the needs of every individual startup, small business type client. Another potential issue of working with a larger firm is the question of who you're actually going to be working with. Are they going to assign your work to a new associate attorney fresh out of law school? Is that associate going to be with the firm for the long term, or will he be looking for a new job just when you get used to working with him? Will your, get, will your file get passed from one office to the next? These are all the kinds of questions you want to ask. Um, you know, so there are situations where larger firms are appropriate, like very complex lawsuits or, you know, large companies, things like that. Um, but, you know, th that's not necessarily the default option that's right for everybody. Working with small firms or sole practitioners can have its advantages. Typically, you're going to receive more individual attention. Many sole practitioners establish relationships with other attorneys to act as sort of an informal version of a traditional law firm, meaning your needs will still be covered if that lawyer goes out of town or if you come up with an issue outside of his or her area of specialization and so forth. Um, you know, but of course, there's often uh, disadvantages, uh, meaning that they're not necessarily always going to have the resources to handle every issue in-house. So if that's What's most important to you is to make sure that that firm can always handle everything in-house. Um, you know, then that's something for you to consider. Um, and key number five is going to be covered in the January 18 income report as well as number six and seven and a bonus tip. So definitely uh, tune in for that and um, then we'll cover all that together. So just to kind of wrap up today, uh, we talked about the first four tips, choosing the right lawyer for your business. Number one, figure out when you need to hire a lawyer. 
Number two, focus on the type of lawyer you need. Number three, find a lawyer who understands your market or niche or is willing to learn. And number four, pick a law firm of the right size. All right. So thanks for listening. And if you want to stay on top of how intellectual property issues like trademarks and copyrights affect your business, uh, you can download my free intellectual property for entrepreneurs checklist at productsofthemind.net slash checklist. And that link will also be in the show notes for this income report. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to you soon. All right, Fire Nation. Sometimes I think that by the time Kate and I actually get down to the nuts and the bolts of this income report, we've already delivered so many value bombs. Your head is spinning, but guess what? We will go on because we have some great things to share with you today. Again, in our last income report, we talked about New Zealand and we talked about Australia, but then in early November, we left for London to attend and for me to keynote at Chris Ducker's first annual Upreneur Summit in downtown London. I'm talking about in the shadow of Westminster Abbey. Kate, what do you think about this conference? Upreneur Summit was so very special. Chris and his team just have a way with events, like the location of it, the attendees, the speakers, the setup, start to finish, I felt like he really did his first event uh, major justice. And I think there's a lot of people looking forward to the second one. Absolutely. I can tell you from firsthand experience, the number of hands that went up on people that will be returning uh, to Youpreneur Summit number two next year in London was pretty darn high. And Kate, you actually wrote a phenomenal email about Youpreneur with a lot of takeaways, stuff like that. So, uh, What are some things that you really want to make sure our listeners get that maybe didn't read that great email from you? So there were a lot of business lessons shared at Upreneur. And as an avid note taker and big time nerd and organizational (laughs) freak, (laughs) I attentively was in the audience taking massive notes because I wanted to make sure that I was not only leveraging my time wisely while being there, but that so I could share it with you. And so the email that John's referring to shared with you some of the business lessons that I learned at Upreneur Summit, but I wrote an entire post on the blog that you can check out and that we have linked up in the income report. And I share some of the business lessons there as well, including our top number one business lesson that we shared, which was something that the reason I I name it as a top is that every time I go to conferences, I try and pick out the recurring theme. So what is it that more than a couple of people are talking about, namely the speakers, because it's very interesting to me that you can have a group of 10 speakers all running different businesses, all coming from different locations around the world. Yet there are oftentimes one or two things that keep coming up over and over and over again. And it's not like speakers get together and, you know, say like, let's all focus on this one thing. You know, this is, it's coming up over and over for very good reason. And that one thing at Upreneur Summit was the importance of doing things that don't scale. At least half of the speakers on stage talked about the importance of having one-on-one conversations with your readers, listeners, prospects, customers, what whatever it is that you do in your business, that contact that you have with the, the people that are following you currently or the people that you want to be following you are very, very critical. So I have a nice little challenge for you 
over at eofire.com slash income and the number five one. That's to put together a schedule that's going to allow you to spend just one afternoon booking these one-to-one calls. And I kind of set up like a little process for you to follow in order to do that. And uh, I also share some of the other business lessons and value bombs that were dropped on stage. Um, Janet Murray, who is a public relations pro, shared a hashtag that she recommends using if you're looking for journalists who have requests. So that was a really cool tip. It's hashtag journo request. So J-O-U-R-N-O request. I have this over on the post. Don't worry. You don't need to be taking notes on any of this because, again, I took those notes for you. Um, also John Jantz, who talked about being more self-reliant, which was a really eye-opening thing for me. I've never heard anyone put it that way, but he brought up such an amazing point is that all the speakers on stage are going to tell you what you could do, but not necessarily what you should do. He said that what you should do is already inside. And I don't think that a lot of us as entrepreneurs give ourselves that credit um, and trust in ourselves to know that what we're supposed to do next, it's actually, we, it's already inside of us. We can get great tips and recommendations and things from others, but how we run our business is ultimately up to us. So again, I have the entire post that I wrote on this with probably eight, nine business lessons that I took away from the event itself. And uh, you can check that out again over at eofire.com slash income and the number 51. I have it linked up there for you. And I'll say one of the major takeaways that I got was from my dear friend, Pat Flynn, who just recently turned 35 years old. So happy belated birthday, Pat. Love that. Happy birthday, Pat. Uh, But one thing that I took away from his keynote, which was epic, was sometimes you just don't realize the impact you're having, even when you're having that impact. I mean, I look back to late 2012, which is the date that Pat was referring to when he was considering stopping his podcast. I had personally been a listener for about a year and a half at that point. I've been listening to Pat's podcast for 18 months and I look forward to each and every single episode to the highest degree. And I mean, he was actually one of the inspirations for me launching my podcast late in 2012 as well. Again, I've been listening to it for 18 months. And by the way, I had no idea that during that entire time, he was considering shutting his podcast down, stopping podcasting because he didn't think he was having a big enough impact. I mean, I never reached out to him. I just assumed that he was getting deluged by thank you emails. And so I wasn't going to bother Pat with another thank you email when he was getting, you know, I was thinking hundreds a day, but that wasn't the case. And Pat was wondering if he was having that much of an impact. He wasn't seeing a ton of growth on his podcast. He was seeing a lot of listens, but it wasn't necessarily growing. So he was thinking that, you know, maybe it's time to shut it down. But then right before he did that, which by the way, would have shocked me as well as tens, if not hundreds of thousands of others who were, you know, like quiet, like I guess I would call us the silent majority who are listening and loving every single episode, but just weren't necessarily sharing that love with him. Um, he got an email from a guy that had a horrible car accident um, or some kind of accident that really just messed up his legs and he had to have surgery and bolts and rods and all of the things. And his goal was to come back and run a marathon. And it was through listening to Pat's episodes over and over again and getting strength that he was able to train and recuperate and recover and run that marathon. And as he crossed the finish line, he held up a sign that basically just thanked Pat Flynn amongst a few other people. Um, for helping him get to that finish line of, you know, 26.2 miles. And uh, 
it was just super heartwarming. And and Pat almost walked away from his podcast, which you know since 2012, <clears throat> excuse me, has gone on to have more than 50 million downloads from that point and just impacts so many people. So sometimes Fire Nation, just because you're not getting, you know, the emails and you're not getting, you know, the the social media messages and you might be thinking you're not having an impact, that, that might not be the case. You know, I get emails all the time that start off with John, like, or, or you know, or somebody on John's team, like, I'm sure you'll never read this because I'm sure you get a million of these a day, but thank you. And and the answer is no, I don't get a million of those a day. I mean, I get those occasionally, but it's not what a lot of people would think. So my friends, no matter where you are, like you're making an impact. If you're sharing your voice, your message, your mission, your authenticity, you're being genuine with yourself and your audience, you're making an impact. Just remember that and keep going strong. Now, speaking of going strong... I have a little uh, message as we move on to the next section, which is Puerto Rico strong. And it actually leads into um, a photo that I took um, of my house and the community Palmas Del Mar. And in that photo, and again, if you go to eofire.com slash income 51, you'll see the photo there. It's, I must say, it's, it's a beautiful photo. You have the mountains of El Yunque, the national rainforest in the background. You see some of the Caribbean and, of course, the beautiful Palmas Del Mar community and, you know, a good part of my uh, b- backyard, et cetera. And what's flapping on the roof of my barbecue area is a Puerto Rico flag. And I will say I've been eyeing that spot for maybe about six months now as the perfect place to put an American flag. I mean, I am a U.S. Army veteran. You know, I was an officer in the Army for eight years. I got out as a captain back in 2006. I'm very patriotic. I'm very proud of the United States of America. And I thought that an American flag there would be pretty fitting and pretty soothing because I'm from the States. I'm from Maine. And I love the States. And I love the United States of America. And I'm proud but when I got back and I saw the devastation that was wreaked upon Puerto Rico and the, everybody was surviving without power and many people without access to clean water and food, and we were basically in, in a lot of ways a forgotten islands, uh, my heart just went out to my home, you know, which is now Puerto Rico. And I immediately had a change of heart and I scrapped flying an American, a United States of America flag um, because I wanted instead to fly a Puerto Rican flag. So I ordered one, I got it in the mail, I put it up, and I was very proud to fly a Puerto, a Puerto, a Puerto Rican flag um, in my home here in Puerto Rico, which again, you know, is a United States territory, so it's still very U.S. patriotic, of course. It's got the stars and the stripes and the, and the blue and the star and all that stuff. Um, but I wanted to show my neighbors and everybody that you know drove by and saw that hey this is a Puerto Rican strong household and I definitely will say that I've always loved this island from the from the day that I moved here we've had our ups and our downs we've had our fights we've made up all the things uh, but overall I, I do love this island and and my love has actually grown um, due to this travesty, this devastation that has wreaked over the island. And I know together we will be back slowly, but surely we will be back. And even though we're past day 80 of the hurricane and we still have no power and we have such little support from the States and from everywhere, it's, it's, it's really sad to, to see the reality of that, but still it's amazing to see the, the people of Puerto Rico coming together, supporting each other and making things happen. Uh, so, Kate, before we move into the next section, anything you want to say about that and about Puerto Rico Strong? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming back, it's, it's pretty intense to recognize things that you wouldn't even consider on a day-to-day basis have now suddenly become our reality and become things that we're very aware of. Like, I mean, the other night our generator died in the middle of the night and, you know, neither of us really knew what was going on. It wasn't for, I don't know, maybe 15, 18 hours um, before it was fixed and functioning again. And there's, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be productive and do laundry, but I couldn't do laundry because I couldn't use the wash. Um, and, and then I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to cook a bunch of food then, you know, get stuff out of the fridge. Um, but I couldn't cook food cause the oven didn't work. And there's just like all these things that you don't really think about. Um, you know, we've by choice not turned on our water heater because some friends of ours told us that that really sucks energy from the generator. So we have not been using hot water since we've been home. Um, there are people on this Island who still do not have running water. And that to me is really, really disappointing that there's no organization or, or, you know, bigger power that can help make that happen. Um, there's, no traffic lights in a lot of areas, which is making driving, um, you know, a bit difficult. And that's something that you would never think of. But of course, with no power, the traffic lights don't work. Um, just, you know, it's, it's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to hear that so many homes on the island still don't have bare necessities to live a comfortable life. There are so many restaurants and stores that uh, are so destroyed that they can't open and they may never open back up again. I mean, we've heard of several places right here within Palmas del Mar that, you know, businesses can't afford to open again and they're closing up shop for good permanently. Um, so the impact and the destruction that this has caused um, really was, you know, brought to actual life for us when we weren't just hearing it through news articles, uh, news programs, text messages, phone calls from people, you know, to actually land and see this uh, with our own eyes has really um, intensified the experience. But as you said, John, uh, we're keeping a positive attitude. I know that the um, the community here in Palmas del Mar, the island of Puerto Rico, is very, very strong. And I think that we have built relationships and met enough Puerto Rico strong people to know that um, that they will rise again, that this island will get back to quote unquote normal. And um, yeah, that's a it, it's actually goes in tune with our biggest lesson learned this month that Hurricane Maria has really brought us a lot of perspective. But I know we're going to get into that at the end of this report. Yeah, we'll be diving into putting things into perspective, Fire Nation. And I'll be sharing a little tip from Hal Elrod, who I just saw keynote here in Puerto Rico, um, the Maverick event with Yannick Silver. And oh, by the way, uh, which Richard Branson showed up at. And this is a room of 60 people. Pretty phenomenal uh, pretty cool event uh, here in San Juan, Puerto Rico that just happened last weekend. Um, but before we get into that, let's go through our November 2017 income breakdown. 
product and service income, we did 116000 in the month of November. And that was the Freedom Journal and the Mastery Journal combining for $23,000. We sold over 589 journals. I mean, Kate, just picture a room of 589 people holding up a journal. I mean, it's just mind-boggling the amount of journals that we continue to sell every single month. And it's so exciting and inspiring to me because – Guys, this is my best work ever. I mean, the Freedom Journal, accomplish your number one goal in 100 days. The Mastery Journal, master productivity, master discipline, and master focus in 100 days. This is my best work ever. And I will say, it's something that I'm really proud of. And if anybody anybody is thinking that they just might want to get their hands on one or the other to give yourself an early Christmas gift or to give a Christmas gift to somebody that you love because you're listening to this podcast, just visit thefreedomjournal.com or themasteryjournal.com and enter promo code podcast upon checkout and you're going to get a sweet discount as a thank you for listening to this podcast. And you're going to get the gift of accomplishing your number one goal in 100 days or the gift of mastering productivity, discipline, and focus in 100 days or, and or, better yet, <laughs> giving yourself those gifts and giving one to your loved one as well. Because what, what better Christmas gift could you give a loved one than actually giving them the opportunity to achieve something amazing in their life? And these journals are a step-by-step tool for you to do just that thefreedomjournal.com, themasteryjournal.com. Podcasters Paradise had a big month. We brought in $35,000 in revenue just for the month of November. Our podcast sponsorship revenue was $53,000. We did affiliate income, uh, it was 92,000. We did 92,000 in affiliate revenue. Um, A big part of that was ClickFunnels, brought in over $41,000. Um, another big one was create awesome online courses um, with myself and DSG for over $5,500. Um, another big one, let's see, scrolling down here. I did, uh, oh, wow, we did over $2,800 in a recurring revenue with Ask, the Ask Method with Ryan Levesque that I did like 10 months ago. That just shows you, Fire Nation, like the recurring revenue, the passive income that you can create when you make a great offer to a great audience and it's a great product, service, or community. Um, our total gross income brought that was at uh, $208,000. And if we subtract our total expenses, which were $54,000, that brought us to a net profit of $154,596. Again, all the revenue that we made, um, we listed out line by line by line at eofire.com slash income 51. Also, we list out all of our expenses. You can see everything that we're spending money on to run a six-figure a month business. We show you everything that we think is important to us. And believe me, Kate is always looking to trim this list down because, you know, even if it's a $15 a month thing, if we're not using it, she's axing it. It's out. 
because every dollar does count. Um, so you'll see exactly what we think is incredibly important to running our business. And there's a lot of things, I will say. So you'll see what we use. And I actually do do that when I'm going through our expenses. I'm like, which one of these things can we cancel? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. So Fire Nation, now we're going to be moving into our biggest lesson learned, which again, as we mentioned prior, was putting things into perspective. So Kate, why don't you kick this off? I definitely am going to kick it off. Before I do that, I just want to acknowledge and give amazing, massive props to London. London is so awesome. And we didn't really talk much about our time before and after Upreneur Summit in London, but we got to do some pretty amazing things. So I just wanted to touch on those real quick. Is that cool with you? Do it. Yay. Um, So we got to meet up with Mark Asquith and the podcast websites team. So that was really cool. This event in London um, really brought us in a position to hang out with some really amazing people that we wouldn't otherwise necessarily get to see in person. So we not only got to hang out with Mark, our partner in podcast websites, but we got to have an amazing lunch at the top of the shard. And uh, with the entire podcast websites team. So Ramona was there and it was, I mean, like having that time with people you usually only hang out with online is pretty priceless. We also got to spend some time with Antonio Centeno, which was really cool. He took us around to some suit shops and he is real men, real style. So it was pretty cool to kind of see from his perspective, how he felt about like the stores and stuff in London. John, what was that? Um, he took us to like a bespoke store and we were able to see like way behind the scenes of some pretty incredible, like royalty stuff. Yes. Yeah. Like the people that get fitted for the Royal National Guard suits were there. I mean, go there and, um, there have been some princes and princesses that have gotten fitted there for different things. So it was really cool to go behind the scenes, kind of go in the back room because, again, Antonio had a kind of an in with this guy. The guy actually recognized him off the streets because, you know, Antonio has a huge following in that niche of style, style for men. So it was just super cool to see and um, really inspiring in a lot of areas. And we got to totally crush the musical scene. Like we got to see so many plays. We saw um, The Lion King. We saw Aladdin. We saw Wicked. And that was a really cool experience. I mean, we're in London and we go like in the middle of the square and literally you could just like turn around and point your finger and just like stop at any time. And you're pointing at like another amazing opportunity to see a play or a musical or something. And oh my gosh, I will say my favorite was the Lion King. Which one was your favorite, John? I had to say the Lion King. It was just incredible stage. It was an incredible stage performance. The costumes were absolutely incredible. And of course, The music, I mean, Elton John, hello. It was unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, London overall, like, Youpreneur Summit totally blew it out of the water. John, you got to hang out with one of your best buddies who came out to London, um, Ryan, to attend the conference as well, so that was really cool. And we just got to see so much of London. We did so many amazing things. 
Queenstown was definitely our favorite stop on our New Zealand, Australia time. Sydney was incredible as well, but London really gave both of those places a run for their money. Plus it was amazing to be there in winter because they were getting ready with all the holiday decorations and oh man, just like breathtaking walks at night and during the day. So, um, Really amazing time in London, and I just wanted to make sure and point that out because I loved London. I'm really glad you did, and we took some amazing pictures, which you can see at eofire.com slash income51, so definitely get on over there, Fire Nation, to check out the pictures, some more details, and all the awesomeness. And Kate, take us home with the biggest lesson learned. Yes, putting things into perspective, and... This is actually kind of a perfect segue because, John, here you and I are on this incredible journey to New Zealand, Australia, London. We're attending conferences. Our business is running. Our team is backing us up. They're incredible. And all the while, there's so many things going on in our home, in our community here in Puerto Rico. Very dear friends of ours are struggling through massive changes, and it really made us realize that things aren't always easy. Like, yes, we're incredibly lucky and grateful to have done all the things that we were doing amidst everything else that was going on. But there are times when things come up that you don't expect, um, natural disasters, financial challenges, um, relationship challenges, you know, whatever that might be, it can seem like really difficult at the time, right? You wonder like, why is this happening to me? Or what did I do to deserve this? Or you, or you might just get like really frustrated and angry about it. But I'm sure that you can agree that when you really take a step back, you're pretty darn lucky to be in a position to create some type of opportunity out of what might seem in the moment like something really annoying or really inconvenient because we do have this amazing ability to accept challenges and to break through barriers and to overcome roadblocks. Like when we returned to Puerto Rico for the first time post Hurricane Maria, you know, we saw a lot of damage and we have um, communicated with a lot of people who have been through a lot of things here. Maria has definitely done a lot of damage, but she's also put things into perspective. And maybe you've experienced a life event at some point that has really put things into perspective for you. Maybe it wasn't a hurricane. Maybe it wasn't a natural disaster. Maybe it was something totally different. And I want to end this income report by saying, hopefully you carry that lesson with you. And when you think about the fact that life or running a business isn't really easy all the time, instead of being frustrated and instead of being angry, you will be thankful and feel lucky that you're in a position to create an opportunity. Well said, Kate Lynn Erickson. And Fire Nation, my final word comes from Hal Alrod, who gave the keynote at Maverick in San Juan over the weekends. And he just shared with me the five-minute rule, which is so simple but so profound, is, listen, things are going to happen that are crappy in life. You know, I'm not even going to list the things. You know all the things that can happen that are crappy. Give yourself permission to just complain, moan, groan, whine for five minutes. Set 
your cell phone timer for five minutes. That's why it's called the five minute rule. Press go and get it out. Vent, you have completely a free blank check to say and do whatever you want in those five minutes to get out your anger and frustration and just vent, vent, vent. And then when that timer goes off and it, it's beeping, put it in your pocket and put the phone in your pocket and turn the timer off and just say to yourself, that's over. That is now in the past and you move forward with your life. And there's been so many times where, you know, Kate and I have just let this, you know, annoying situation like with a sponsor or with, you know, an episode or with, you know, a product, like just kind of bug us. And then we talk about it for 20, 30, 80 minutes. And then before we know it, it's like, it's, we spend our whole evening just talking about it and complaining about it. That's not fun. So now we set a timer for five minutes and we complain our little hearts out for five minutes and we get it all in and we get it all out and then it's off and then it's over and we move on to enjoying life because you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to be the end of the road and you're either going to be grateful of how you spent it or regretful. Be gr- be grateful, make it happen, Fire Nation, and we will catch you on the flip side. <laughs>